Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. The NFL is back and the NFL app has you covered. So get ready for football all season long and just tap into the NFL app. NFL, baby, let's make it happen. Just tap in to watch your local and primetime games all season. Now through Super Bowl 56. For the end zone, touchdown! Get up to the minute news, videos, highlights, stats, and more on all your favorite teams and rookies to watch. Welcome to the NFL. Download to your mobile device today at NFL.com slash mobile or in your app store. Certain restrictions and data rates may apply. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Zoe Deschanel and I'm so excited to be joined by my friends and castmates, Hannah Simone and Lamorne Morris, to recap our hit television series, New Girl. Join us every Monday on the Welcome to Our Show podcast, where we'll share behind the scenes stories of your favorite New Girl episodes. Each week, we answer all your burning questions like, is there really a bear in every episode of New Girl? Plus, you'll hear hilarious stories like this. Fun that fact. was one of your things too. you brought back from Latvia. Yeah, I brought back because a hoop. all professional <laughs> basketball players. Yeah, it's like a little <laughs> seven foot hoop. Yeah, listen to the Welcome to Our Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Avengers didn't get paid, and it sparked a debate on Twitter. Kylie Jenner is responding to backlash after she asked fans to donate to her former makeup artist GoFundMe. And we're talking about the latest on the allegations made against David Dobrik and the Vlog Squad with BuzzFeed's Nina Mohan. It's March 23rd, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And Casey, before we get into all the topics of today, I just have to say, if people are following the Dan Savage drama on Twitter, all I have to say is we knew he was trash years ago. He did a lot of good, but he also didn't grow and change and become better. And this is what happens. So anyway, good luck to you, Dan Savage. <laughs> okay, so we need to start with something that's been brewing on Twitter. It's really made a lot of people think. Apparently... The Avengers didn't get paid, and now it's just sparked a really big, massive debate. So for background, in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Sam Wilson is told his family's fish business needs financial assistance. He goes to a bank and gets rejected for a loan, and the banker asks if Tony Stark was the guy paying the bills. Sam says, quote, it doesn't really work like that. And this has opened up a huge can of worms. There's so many tweets about it. One notes, can't believe all the Avengers were unpaid interns. Shaking my head, Tony Stark remains a villain even in death. Another one states, Tony Stark, a real billionaire because none of his co-workers ever got paid. T, 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 T. I watched this over the weekend and that was my first thought because the scene is really hard to watch because it is, you know, Sam Wilson trying to get a loan from this guy who's just trying to take selfies with him. So it's a really funny scene. But there's that moment where he's like, no, we have no income. We just like kind of do this for the good of the world. And I was like, Wah. 
wait a minute, Tony Stark has become a billionaire off government contracts. How are you not getting paid? Like, you are a government worker. Right. You should be, like, getting a pension. Right. You should that be was, getting That insurance. was my, you know, I didn't really think about it, but I guess I did. And in the back of my head, the government paid them. <laughs> that, that was how I thought it worked. That's, I just assumed this whole time. Because also, how do they b- afford their tech? But it's because Tony Stark was bankrolling them. Right. But he also was taking in all the profits. But they were workers for his enterprise uh-huh. called Justice. Uh-huh. Anyway, we should be having this labor conversation. I think if we can use any piece of culture to make people think about labor practices, I'm down. So the vendors <laughs> can be that place to do that. Exactly. Wait, Casey, how much do you think they should get paid? Like, what's a number that you think, like, an Avenger should get paid a year? A year? Yeah. 500K. Easy. Yeah, easy, breezy. I mean, that's what the president gets paid. They're saving so. the world. Like, yeah, and they don't have stock options. So, like, sure. Yeah, where are their <laughs> benefits? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there's been some major developments over Kylie Jenner's response to backlash she received after asking fans to donate to a particular GoFundMe. This came about because one of Kylie's former makeup artists, Samuel Rada, was in a serious car accident. His family set up a GoFundMe to help pay for medical expenses. Kylie originally donated $5,000, but come on. We know she has more cash than that, and fans were upset. Kylie cleared up the confusion on her Instagram when she said that the family's goal was $10,000. She went on to say, quote, I put in $5,000 to reach their original goal and thought I'd post on my stories to gain more awareness if anyone else felt compelled to share or donate. That didn't clear up anything. No, it is not her job to to be funding this GoFundMe. Honestly, our healthcare should be better and that's who should be funding this so that they don't have to come up with that money. But when you make an obscene amount of money and then you start asking other random people for money to help someone that you could just help yourself, that's just infuriating. So I understand where the upset is coming from. 100%. Also, this person is recovering from a serious car accident. They should not be spending their time fundraising. If you have the cash on hand to give to this person, which you will not even notice when you give $10,000, just do it. You could save yourself all the heartache because how much she's probably paying the PR firm that's helping her spend this is far more <laughs> than what the initial donation uh-huh, would be. Uh-huh. So listen, just do the right thing. It costs a lot less every time. Moving on, we need to talk about what's going on with David Dobrik and his vlog squad. In case you didn't know, he's among the most popular and powerful YouTube personalities that was until this last week, when a woman featured in one of his videos came forward and claimed she was assaulted during filming. Since then, Dobrik has issued not one, but two apologies. The second posted just this morning after he continued to be dropped by sponsors following his first attempt. Joining us today to talk about this is BuzzFeed writer and supervising producer Nina Mohan. We do also want to let everyone know that the following interview includes graphic descriptions of sexual assault and rape. So if you need to skip this conversation, please jump ahead. Hi, Nina. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, Casey and Zach. Thank you for having me. And boy, do we need you. We need you to break down everything that's happening because I am truly overwhelmed. To start this off, what did you know about David Dobrik and what was your opinion of him before these allegations surfaced? So I was pretty aware of him because I work on the YouTube side of BuzzFeed. It's my job to be aware of YouTubers. And he was somebody who started in Vine. Um, Then when Vine was kind of dying, he moved to YouTube and he sort of became the king of YouTube, known for uploading at first three times, then like two times a week, four minute and 20 second videos that are like really quickly cut, super fast paced comedy 
quote unquote videos with like pranks and uh, like experiments and just like stuff about his friends. He's not normally in his own videos a ton. He's usually just like filming other people. That's like the majority of his videos. And I will admit, I watched like all of them. I watched them every time they came out, but I didn't like them. (laughs) They were full of um, sexist jokes, racist jokes, homophobic jokes, fat phobic jokes. That was like the bread and butter of these vlogs here and there. There would be something where he brought in like a scientist who did some wild experiment. And, you know, that was relatively fun and unproblematic, but it's just like the thing that I remember the most from these vlogs was that it was mostly like a lot of very high school white boy problematic offensive humor. <laughs> mm, I understand completely. Yep, totally know that humor very well. Too well. Okay, so that's that's him leading up to this. So what precisely is the allegation that's being levied against David and the vlog squad right now? I think that there have been multiple allegations in the past, but the one that has really sort of captured everyone's attention because of, I think, the seriousness and the gravity of it is that um, a woman alleges that in 2018, she uh, went to David's apartment, I believe, and was given alcohol when she was uh, underage and got drunk to the point where she blacked out. And she was raped by David Dobrik's former vlog squad member and friend, Dom Zaglitis. And she also says that she was filmed in a threesome scene, unclear whether it was like a bit or not, but she was filmed as part of the scene and she has no memory of it. And I believe she also alleges that, you know, she was very drunk and was led into a room by Dom and he closed the door on her and would not let her out. And then at some point in the night, she was completely blacked out from the alcohol and cannot remember what happened. Wow, 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 wow. It's very dark. It's so, so dark. And, you know, can you talk a bit more about who Dom is and why his relationship to David is so important for the story and these allegations coming forward that are impacting the entire vlog squad? Dom was a former member of the vlog squad who was one of David's high school friends. So David got very popular in high school. That's like when his Vine stuff took off. And he would feature a lot of his high school friends in his Vine and his YouTube comment. And Dom was one of these people. And his quote unquote character in the vlogs was that of a creepy guy who always wanted to have sex with women and would push boundaries and cross lines. Um, they would play this up for comedy and humor, but I think anyone watching, especially now, but even back then could sense that it was uncomfortable, but yes, he is one of David's high school friends and David gave him a platform. David has also said that he made the choice in 2019 to not make videos with Dom anymore, but he made a lot of videos with Dom prior to that point. Okay. So it seems like now that this allegation is getting a lot of attention, it's bringing to light the fact that a lot of people have been calling him out for years. Like you said, saying this vlog squad content is deeply problematic. You mentioned some of like the trends of like fat phobia, homophobia, et cetera. But what else have we seen from them that's been problematic? So you would see a lot of racist humor. The main people in the vlog squad are all white, uh, but they will have some sort of side friends who come in occasionally. And one of them was this guy named Seth Francois, who, uh, I guess was a friend of David's and would appear in some of the videos. Um, and they would just 
use him as an excuse to film these really racist bits and that were scripted. You know, it's not like they're happening upon these things. They're, they're scripted and planned out. Like, you know, they would make Seth go open a refrigerator and it would be full of watermelon and he's a black man. And so, you know, it's funny cause it's racist, I guess, uh, that seemed to be their thinking. Um, and also like Jason Nash, who is also a member of the vlog squad, but is like in his forties while everyone else is in their twenties. Um, he would dress up. It's this character that he called Carmelita, who was a Latino woman who seemed to be like a sex worker. And he would be like very scantily clad and put on this really racist accent. He would also constantly make fat phobic jokes about his friends who are fat in the video. And there would also be like a lot of slut shaming of his female friends who were in the video. So it really runs the gamut of problematic and offensive jokes. Really what I'm learning is that they don't know what bits are or what comedy is. <laughs> it's It sure does seem that way. And, you know, there have been other issues of consent in the video. For example, Seth talked about how in one video he was made to believe that he was going to kiss a woman who was like in a mask, a costume. And really it was Jason Nash, this 45 year old man. Seth was blindfolded so he couldn't see and he was made to kiss Jason. And that's not something he consented to. So it's just further evidence that like, they've always kind of learned the lines of consent, I think in these, in these videos and not really respected people's boundaries. So you're saying this allegation is not happening in a vacuum. There's lots of evidence that points to what was happening as a larger cultural problem at the Dobrik content house. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll be right back to talk more about David Dobrik and the fallout surrounding the vlog squad. Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Being a real estate agent isn't about listing houses. It's about connecting to people. I need to find new buyers every day. So I promote my listings using radio commercials from iHeartAdBuilder.com. Now every time I have an open house, it's a full house. A custom radio ad from iHeartAdBuilder is the fast, affordable way to drive customers to your business. Put the power of radio to work for you. Get started now at iHeartAdBuilder.com. Hello, I'm Minnie Driver, and on my podcast, Mini Questions, I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers like Blondie vocalist Debbie Harry, journalist and television host Jeremy Clarkson, editor-in-chief of InStar magazine Laura Brown, and creative juggernaut Goldie. Join me as we continue this exploration on season two of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Nina Mohan about David Dobrik and the Vlog Squad's problematic videos and ethics. So let's talk about the apologies, plural, because there have now been two. The first one was uploaded last week and it clearly did not go over well. Why was that? 
It didn't go over well for a few reasons. It was uploaded not to his main channel, but to his podcast channel called Views, which is, I think, the least subscribed to out of all of his YouTube channels. It was a, like a two-minute video titled Let's Talk, but he turned off all the comments. And in addition to that, <laughs> the content of the video was not... Uh, satisfying for some people in that he didn't really seem to take accountability. He sort of shifted all of the blame onto Dom. And to be clear, Dom is definitely to blame, but he sort of shirked his own accountability and was like, I'm distancing myself from this guy. I chose to distance him in 2019. And, you know, I'm like, it was the wrong choice to associate with him at that time, but that's it. And so people were really unsatisfied with that, obviously, because he didn't seem to actually hold himself accountable. Right. It seems like he's just trying to like wipe his hands clean and be like, wasn't me. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) When it's like, oh, we actually have um, video proof of a lot of other things. But, uh, you know, carry on. (laughs) You held the camera, filmed this girl's assault and uh, profited off of it when you uploaded it to YouTube. But sure, you're blameless. (laughs) So even after this apology came out, Dobrik continued to lose sponsors, which we will get to in a second. But this morning he issued this second apology. I want to play a little bit of it. I want to start this video off by saying I fully believe the woman who came out against Dom and said she was by him. Um, As was reported, the next day I got consent to post the video. Even though I got the consent to post that video, I should have never posted it. And what I understand now, and I didn't understand before, is that she sent that text because she felt like she had to, not because she wanted to. And that's fucked up. And I'm sorry. In this video, he addresses a lot of the criticisms of the first video and says he's going to take a break from the platform. Do you think this is a better apology? And more importantly, do you believe it? I will say it is a better apology in that he does actually hold himself accountable. He addresses the unfair power dynamics that are at play in a lot of his vlog content. And he makes himself available to other people who feel like they may have been harmed in the making of these vlogs. Those are all, I think, objectively good things. But the cynic in me is like, this is coming because you lost all your money, you know? And it came actually shortly after yesterday, I believe, was when SeatGeek officially said that they wouldn't be working with him anytime in the near future. And that was one of his biggest sponsors, I think, because they would often give him like lots and lots and lots of money to buy his friends' cars and stuff. So uh, and that's kind of one of the sponsors that people were waiting to hear from. And, you know, in addition, he also lost funding from Spark Capital for his app, Dispo, which was like a disposable camera photo app. So to me, like, yes, of course, it's good that he's acknowledging these things. And it's, it's good that, you know, people will see this. It's on his main channel. I, I can't remember if comments are on or not, but, you know, it will get more exposure so that hopefully people can take away the right lesson. But you know, a part of me is like, you're doing this because it hurt, you got hurt in your wallet. (laughs) Did you really learn? Yeah, that's all I keep thinking about with this is that David Dobrik is famously rich. I mean, the man's platform is about giving people cars and not just any car, Teslas, Mercedes, like very expensive cars. And he was 
aware that he was doing problematic things for years. He's kind of even saying that in his uh, in his apologies, but it's just now because they are really fleeing that he's now thinking, maybe I should change. So do you think there's actually going to be a real change? Because sponsors were also aligning with this type of content too. Yeah. You know, it's very interesting because, you know, his content has never been family friendly in any kind of way. There's lots of you know, cursing, sexual humor, blah, blah, blah. But they stuck by him through all that stuff. And now I don't know if you heard in that clip, but they bleep sexual assault and rape, but not fuck, <laughs> which I found very interesting. Like in terms of his content being able to change, I think it's tough to say because so much of his content relied on this type of humor and these types of offenses. That's what people were coming back for, whether to watch it and enjoy it or to watch it like a train wreck, like I did. That was the essence of his content. So it'll be very different content if he decides to come back and start making stuff. But I don't really know what that will be. He also mentioned in that apology video that he wants to make sure that everyone feels uh, like safe and comfortable doing stuff and that he might have HR, which I'm like, I I mean, you know, you know, if it makes people safer, great. But like, also that feels like a very weird concept for, uh, somebody who's a vlogger, but sure. Um, no, and Zach and I, Zach and I were talking about it. Zach brought it up. HR is there to protect him, not other people. So exactly. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, he says he's going to take a quote short break from all social media. And I'm like, maybe you should take a long break and like really reflect. (laughs) I mean, he's worth like over $20 million. So you can afford to take a break. Exactly. So it's like, it's really there for you. Well, you know, Nina, I have to ask this question. This is happening in the moment in which cancel culture is kind of at like a boiling point where everyone's just mad and Dr. Seuss is getting canceled. Like people are just obsessed with this. And I do know he brings it up in his videos about people saying like, push back, fight against cancel culture. How do you think this is going to like pan out for him as he navigates this? Because his base is not the liberal left. It is very much people, middle America, who like don't give a damn about cancel culture. And they're kind of saying like, look past this, look past this. Do you think he may do that? I think it's very possible he'll sort of play the middle ground because I think in general, he's pretty, he's pretty apolitical and doesn't like take sides on things. You know, he didn't really say anything about any of these elections or, uh, despite being a DACA recipient. So he, I think will try to like play the middle ground in the sense that yes, he he may not like ever go back to his full, like king of YouTube, king of TikTok status. But I think that his hardcore base will probably stick by him. And I think he'll probably be able to find some success in some kind of like subscriber based revenue model where like Patreon, where like people who are really fans of him can throw him money in a time where he might not be able to rely on sponsors as heavily as he did. Cause I don't know if you guys know, but like with YouTube, there was this thing called Adpocalypse where like a lot of creators saw less money than they had previously seen. He was one of those people who really suffered from that. He used to make like, you know, 200 K a month on videos and went to like 2000 a month, but all his money came from sponsorships. So when he lost that, he lost a lot if he didn't save any of his money. So in order to gain any kind of revenue stream again, now that he's lost all his sponsors, he's going to need, I think fans to be chipping in some money. Or he needs to find really problematic sponsors. Which he could. He probably could. (laughs) Okay, so to wrap this up, you've already mentioned this at the top of the interview, but I want to say it again because it should be said again. There are countless examples of racism, homophobia, misogyny, fat phobia in David's vlogs. We've talked about what his content might look like, 
But do we think there's a future for him on YouTube or will he have to move platforms entirely? So it's interesting because he's already moved platforms a little bit. Um, He hasn't really been posting his regular YouTube content since about the start of the pandemic is kind of when he stopped doing his regular twice a week uploads. And he pretty much moved exclusively to TikTok. I don't know if he'll be able to stay there. Um, Right. I don't think he, he that is a much more liberal place than YouTube, I would say. Yeah. And I I think people on TikTok like to hold people accountable and come to their comments and yell. So I don't know if he's going to be able to stay there, I guess. But, you know, he is a platform hopper. He went from Vine to YouTube to now TikTok. He's been successful on all of them. So he might just have to wait for the next platform to come and hope that people have forgotten about his whole past. Uh, As it goes for most problematic people. Well, Nina, thank you so much for joining us today and breaking this all down. Of course. I'm I'm glad to do it. We could talk about this for four hours. So when you want to release (laughs) the extended version of the pod, I'll be here. Yes, Zack Snyder, here you come. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, if the Avengers are somehow unpaid interns, you should definitely ask for that raise you've wanted. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. Peacock streaming the biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56, the 2022 Winter Olympics, and the Peacock original Bel Air. Plus the new movie, Marry Me, in theaters and streaming Valentine's Day. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Open to all teams and players, the NFL's Inspire Change Initiative acknowledges the ways that systemic racism contributes to barriers to opportunity and equality and focuses on ongoing efforts on creating progress in the areas of education, economic advancement, community and police relations, and criminal justice reform. To learn more about the NFL's commitment to ensuring a more equal and just future, text NFLIC to 635-635. It takes all of us to advance social justice. The NFL Podcast Network is your home for all things football. Do you love hearing analysis around the league with a touch of mirth? Or maybe you enjoy breaking down X's and O's in the college scouting scene. Do you breathe, sleep, and eat fantasy football? Perhaps you love the funny headlines that emerge each week. What if you want in-depth news coverage with reporters? Or what if you want to know exactly how each team got its name? Well, you're in luck because the NFL Podcast Network has a show for everybody. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.